Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode where we look at mind and body wellness and beyond, where we'll explore exactly what we mean by the mind-body connection in medicine. This will be kind of a, a way of giving us a, a background and a foundation for subsequent episodes where we're going to look at cultures and exactly how their methods of healing are embedded within them. And we're going to take a look at what it is, how did we get to where we are in our understanding of what health and wellness mean? And I want to talk, I want to mention somebody named Andrew Weil, who many of you may be very familiar with. He was uh, has been a pioneer in what's been come to be known as integrative medicine, and it's described as mind-body medicine. Now, why is that important? The reason that it's important is because it points out the fact that up until Andrew Weil popularized this, mind-body concepts had pretty much disappeared from our Western, uh, meaning European and American notions of what it is to be well. And we can go all the way back to the time of Rene Descartes in order to understand the division that was drawn between the mind and the body. Now, Descartes, was a philosopher, among other things, who lived from 1596 until 1650. And many of you may be familiar with his famous dictum, which is, I think, therefore I am. Now, that doesn't seem like something all that strange. It, it sort of makes sense, especially given our worldview as Westerners. But what that simple statement did was to drive a wedge between the mind and the body. So the concept is that if I think, then I am. I am a thinking mechanism. Thinking and my mind and my body become two very, very separate things. And that would have profound implications for our whole understanding of what we are as human beings from the time of Descartes right up until today. And eventually, what it would do is drive a wedge between what is taken care of in terms of practitioners um, about my mind versus my body and, from, for believers, even my spirit. So eventually, that led to people who take care of the body being doctors. So people who are medical doctors, what do they do? They look at what it is to have a human body that needs to be tended to. Now, a while back, there were lots of general practitioners who did everything that had to do with the body. But as time marches on, we go on to greater specialization. So we've got one doctor who deals with the nervous system. We've got one doctor who deals with the respiratory system, etc., etc., etc. And that seems natural because we want to deal with the very specifics of an issue. We also have practitioners who deal with the mind. So we have uh, psychiatrists 
we have psych uh, psychologists, we have psychotherapists, and their job is to look at the mind as it exists in isolation. Then we have spiritual or religious practitioners. We have ministers, we have reverends, we have priests, we have rabbis within our society, and for those who believe that there is a spirit, that's what they attend to. Now, all of this has been to really change our understanding of what a human being is, because we look at these very fractured and separated aspects of what it is to be a human being. There is very little that unites them together. Now, in my own life, this is something that I've considered from a long time uh, earlier on in my life, as I described in the first podcast. But I want to tell you a story about uh, somebody who I met many, many years ago. Um, his name was Frank Sheridan, and Frank has since, since, now, uh, since then passed on. But Frank was a Cheyenne artist um, and also worked in the field of public health. He lived in El Reno, Oklahoma until he passed away. And Frank described to me something called the medicine wheel. Now, I was very familiar with the medicine wheel prior to that. And the Lakota people are um, ones who kind of popularized this notion of the medicine wheel. But Frank used the medicine wheel to describe an understanding of human beings and wellness and healing in a way that I think is very important for us in our work. So I'm going to describe a little bit about it the way that Frank explained it to me. So the medicine wheel is made up of two separate symbols. One is a circle, which is a shape that has no beginning and no ending. The other is a cross, but not a Christian cross, where there's a, an elongated part of it, an equilateral cross. So when we put the two together, we put that cross into the center of a circle, we have the symbol that is often known as the medicine wheel. And Frank explained it that we could look at who we are as a human being in terms of the medicine wheel. And we can start at the bottom of it, each of the four directions represents one component of what it is to be a human being. So if we start at the bottom, at the south, that's the physical aspect of ourselves, what it is to have a human body. Then if we work our way clockwise, we end up at the west. And the west looks at what it is to have a human mind. If we continue clockwise, we end up at the north, which looks at what it is to have emotions. And we finish at the east, which has to do with our spirit, the spiritual aspect of ourselves as human beings. According to Frank, we can also connect that with stages in our life as a human being. So when I'm born, the first sector of my life, my infancy, have more to do with getting the feeling of what it is to have a physical body. The next thing in my development is the second phase of my life, where I understand more what it is to have a mind. In the next stage of my life, which makes up a large chunk of adulthood, I look at my emotions, and I, I am very much influenced by the emotions from moment to moment. 
And then finally, in the last phase of life, I deal more with the spiritual component. So in elderhood, that is the dominant force. Now, during any aspect of life, any part of a person's life, of course, there are all four. What Frank was talking about was which one is dominant in a particular phase of a person's life. But the important thing to look at is the the idea of the wheel, because balance is having all four components of our life in a state of balance. That's what wellness is, according to this medicine wheel model. And so I came to find this also, the same concept expressed in my work in curanderismo and in understanding Mesoamerican traditional thinking, where we find these same ideas echoed there. And what is perhaps most important in curanderismo is to look at our emotions. And that may, may be a surprise that emotions play that important of a role in our concept of wellness. Because in curanderismo, we believe that the emotions, the unchecked, what are called negative emotions, negative because of their profound impact on us, um, if unresolved, can find themselves uh, expressed in disease and illness. And that is a, a huge, huge um, contribution, I believe, that curanderismo makes to our understanding of ourselves. That once again, we have four directions, there are four colors, there are four energies, and we want to bring those four energies into balance in our lives. Um, in a later podcast, I'll go into more depth about them. I'll be talking about how these four energies, they have guardians at each of the directions. So we talk about Quetzalcoatl on the east. We talk about Totec on the west. We talk about Tezcatlipoca, and we talk about Huitzilopochtli as guardians of these energies. And I'll be talking about that a little bit later on. But for today, I want to talk about how we attain wellness and how important that is for our sense of health and well-being. Because we want to look at each aspect of our lives as one that is important. So it's important to look at our human body. Are we getting enough exercise? Do we have the proper nutrition? We want to look at our minds, at our mental development. Are we exercising our mind? Are we learning? Are we learning from our own experiences? Are we learning from other people? We want to look at emotions. We want to understand what is my experience of emotionality from moment to moment and from day to day? Am I resolving the negative impact of these negative emotions? Things like anger, jealousy, rage, disappointment, negative self-concepts. Can I bring those into a greater balance with things like the positivity that we have in joy in kindness, in compassion? How do we balance those in our life? And then finally, spiritual. Do I have a spiritual dimension 
in my life? Do I have a connection with the Creator? Do I have a connection that extends to my feeling toward Mother Earth? So I want to bring these four into balance. I should also mention on the, um, the side that has to do with emotions, it also has to do with the connection between me and the people in my extended family and sacred community. So it's a, a social dimension to my life as well. And I want to have all four in balance. So I want to critically look at my own life and see where it is that I have my strengths and where it is that I have my weaknesses. And that's what we'll be talking about when we begin looking at a variety of different cultures. So join me for my next episode. Thanks for listening. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Fetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.